This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by RetroGameTreasure.com Get real retro games for the old school consoles you love delivered to your door every month. They have consoles like the NES, Super Nintendo, Genesis, PlayStation 1, Game Boy, Game Boy Advanced, and more. Tell them the type of games you like and what games you already own so you don't get duplicates. You even get a wish list. It's not a rental service. And best yet, you keep the games. Use promo code HAPPYHOUR and save $2 off your first month. Learn more at RetroGameTreasure.com and don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Internets. My name is Johnny Womack. Of course, I got my brother from another mother, Deuce. What's going on, man? Hey, Deuce. Uh, we are the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Every single episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce does the Deuce salute. Oh, yeah. <sighs> After this weekend, I need, need one of those. I need yep. a, whew, I'm trying to recover. I got to take yep. that scotch. <laughs> take it down, a scotch. Um, and of course, drink responsibly in your uh, wherever you're from. And. Uh, if you're not drinking alcohol, cheers to the water and the sodas, whatever you're drinking. Give us a big old deuce salute mm. with whatever you're you're drinking. Beverage of choice. Beverage of choice. And of course, we are a twice weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And we love to have friends with us on the happy hour we with Johnny do. and Deuce. We do. We actually met our friend here, Mr. David Berger. Um, where Deuce? Where do we meet him? We met him at Emerald City, which I've gotta say, out of all the events we've done, I think that might have been one of the most fruitful. I mean, Sci-Fi mm-hmm. Bartow is a big event, and we meet a lot of people there. But yeah. this was one of those things where it kind of came out of left field, and it fell in our lap that they were like, hey, we want you to come and do your podcast live at Emerald. And we were just kind of like, well, let's get out there. Let's get our name out in Tampa. Yeah. And then we met you, which was awesome, and we met Josh Bauer. Yeah. And really made a lot of good friends and connections yeah, out of that it was day, awesome. which was wild. Because going in, I was just like, oh, well, you know, it's another gig. Yeah, but so definitely check out ex- episode 67. Um, you can hear David on there. We kind of just had like a five-minute conversation with him. Yeah. And so now we're like, hey, let's have him in the actual studio and, and have a full-on fledged, you know, talk and, and have him in the studio. Plus you've book series now, Yes, yes. So. Well, I'm in book two. You're I'm book almost two. done with book two. David, <laughs> welcome to the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Glad to have you here. Of course, uh, it's a, uh, a five-book series. Uh, book one is uh, Finding the Balance, and you can go through the rest for me. Book two. Book two is Memory's Curse. Okay. Book three is The Liar's Prophecy. And then you have is the Archer's Paradox. Yeah, The yeah. Archer's Paradox is book four, which I'm working on right now. Right. And then you'll, you'll, there's a fifth book that is as yet unnamed. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it will be eventually a five-book series. Is that kind of where you... In, in your head because they always talk about writers and in their head like they've got an end point is that kind of where you think your end point's going to be at the end of book five or if you you just kind of playing with the idea and see what you want to do after that i think as far as the four characters in that series together five books will be it right there may be other side books that like come out of that universe yeah okay yeah. of course so. this is the task force gaia series and it's interesting for me because when I when we first interviewed you, you you said to me, like, how would you define what this you know for people that read books like what would be you able to equate these books to like if you're a fan of what kind of series and you said it was kind of like a, if you're a fan of uh, like uh, Percy Jackson it's like an adult Percy Jackson series is kind of the way you equated it. 
uh, lots of um, stuff with Greek gods because you're a big yeah. fan of that. You, I mean, your whole life you've been a fan of the Greek gods and, and everything like that? Yes, since I was a little kid. Started yeah. reading. One of the fascinating things for me was how, like, you and I were kind of talking on Facebook, and I was like, hey, there's some interesting names here that I don't recall in Greek mythology. And you're like, well, yeah, some of these are original characters. And I want to get your take on, like, how you came up with your original names. As far as the main characters? or Yeah, just well, yeah this to everybody. Like, just in general, how you come up with the names. Because the, the Greek, the way you spell Greek words sometimes is weird. You have, like, that weird A and E together mm-hmm. and different things like that. Like, uh, how do you how do you come up with the characters? Well, the characters that are the more human characters, their names, um, I think almost all of them, their names have some kind of meaning mm-hmm. behind them. Whether the, the reader's able to pick up on that or not isn't as important to me, but it's, uh, it's, if it's if the person wants to look up, hey, well, what does that name actually mean? They might find there's an interesting connection to the name there. But the Greek names, for the most part, I've, I've drawn from the regular Greek gods, obviously, but there are a few characters that were original that, I, depending on their role in the story, their name sort of came from that. Like, this is the character that is going to do X, Y, and Z. Therefore, let me find a word in Greek or close to it that will sort of match. So sometimes the words aren't exactly Greek, but they're based on that word that, you know, it's a slight misspelling or maybe two words fused together that wouldn't normally be together, but just enough to give anybody who knows Greek to say, oh, that's, you know, interesting or clever, so... Well, like, isn't like Aegis? Is I'm, am I pronouncing that right? Aegis or Aegis? Aegis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a, a shield, isn't it? Like in um, some sort of mythology, it's like the name for shield. I think or it's the, the shield of Zeus. Shield. That's yeah. what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew it was related to something with uh, with Zeus. But yeah, like, and I actually have a company for my com- my my security company is actually called Aegis, which I was thought was really fascinating when I was reading the book. I'm like, oh, Aegis protection shield clever uh <laughs> and it's funny for me because like you 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 take all the four of your main protagonists and i actually have it on your page here i'm just so i can look up at reference here uh of course we have um <clears throat> dr alita um alita or alita 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 uh helston um aka atos uh, atos a- how do you atos pre- in the first book atos right. um just means um basically eagle oh Okay. Yeah. In the other books, the name is changed for a certain reason, which it's a spoiler, so I won't say why. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you have – we're just going to go through the, the names here. Uh, Brandon Jeffries, uh, a.k.a. Zodiac, mm-hmm. um, spelled with a K, which is cool. I like the way that looks. Uh, and then we have um, Sarah Jacobs, a.k.a. Aether. Aether. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Making sure I pronounce these right. And then um, my uh, one of my favorites, uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Danelos Fairmont, a.k.a. Aegis. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting for me because uh, you work with you work with two different artists, correct? You have two different artists that you're working with. Well, the main cover artist main who cover did artist, the sketches yeah. and then the the cover art, and then there was one other artist who I had put out there. I'd like to do some, you know, some inspirational pieces or maybe some one shot pieces for promotional work or things like that. So Silver Joe is the other artist I've worked with, um, and he is. I'm going to get this wrong. I want to say Philippines. I could be wrong there. Um, I'd have to double check, but. He does a much more um, built-up body style, more comic book looking. Right. Whereas Michael's style is a little more on the realistic yeah. take. Right. And then he he did the silver. He did the third. He has a you have a limited edition cover for the third one, right? For for book three. Yeah, Silver Joe did the well. The, the artwork I had from him I used for the cover. Um, I'm waiting for Michael for the actual third cover. 
So as soon as that gets put in, the the limited edition will go away, and then the the actual permanent cover will stay on. Sure. So before we really dive in more about like the books and everything, like how did you get into writing? I know we kind of ta- talked about it a little bit. You know, you've been kind of writing your whole life, but like, what was the first short story or first you know idea that you had when you were writing? Like you're like, hey, this is fun. I can create a story here. I can create a character. Well, it's funny. I, I always feel like I've loved liked writing since I was a kid, and the one story that keeps coming up when I think about it as a younger writer was with my sister. She was really big into the Smurfs, and I remember she had the little figurines, and we used to watch the show together as kids, and I remember thinking, well, I'm going to write a story about that. And so we sat down and talked about it, and she gave me ideas, and I wrote up the story. So that was one of my first official short stories that I can recall. I wish I still had it, but uh, it would be about 40 years old at this point. But I, it's ever since then, writing has been an outlet for me. I've been more of that introverted, shyer type of person, too, so writing just made more sense. Um, I wasn't a very vocal person, so I just sat to myself, and I would do a lot of artistic things, art, you know, as far as um, drawing and sketching and clay and things like that, but I also wrote, and as an adult now, I'm focusing more on writing. That's the one that stuck with me. It's a good way to express yourself, especially if you're not someone that is going to be on the stage, you know, as a stand-up comedian or something like that, or, so, you know, some someone that's a juggler or whatever. You're not, you're like, out there in the persona, but you can kind of sit there and back and, and compose yourself, and you're able to express so people can still see a little bit of who you are, you know, and what you do and, and you know, your thought mm-hmm. process. Because for me, that's the most interesting part because every writer has their own different thought process. Like, how do you, like, when you're creating... Um, the characters to, for your artists because obviously you have an idea of what they are in your mind like but how does that work do you give the artist like an outline essentially have they read the books ahead of time or how does that work no uh, Michael did not had not read the book in fact when I first asked him to do art was before the book was even close to being finished I wanted some sketch work just for more inspirational pieces for myself and I had already kind of worked up in my head how the characters I wanted them to, to look and the original character ideas for Michael came from some um, celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, Alita Halston was based on Angela Bassett. Oh, okay, yeah. And this was back, you know, back in the early 2000s. So, you know, she was a, a little younger then. So, if you looked at the original sketches, you could see a little bit of that in her. Um, Sarah was based originally on Bridget Fonda. Mm back from I think there was a movie she did I want to say it was like the Femme Nikita or something yeah yeah she did look yeah Nikita. Mm-hmm. so it was based on that kind of short haircut and, yeah. and very athletic style um, originally Dan was based on Antonio Sabato oh wow yeah but and he had shorter hair originally in the in the first incarnation but then as I developed the character I wanted him to have longer hair more Medi- more of a Mediterranean look, look to him um, and Brandon was based on Casper Van Dien originally. That was where the look came from. So when I talked to Michael about art, I gave him clothing styles and I said, here are the, here are the, you know, the celebrities that I'd kind of like you to base them off of. I don't want them to look exactly that way, but close enough. And the sketches that are actually in the first book in the back, were the, that was, those were the first sketches he ever gave me. Oh, wow. And he never had to fix them. I mean, tweak them a little, but as far as the appearance, the faces, the body types, it was just straight on from that point on. And I knew that I'd gotten lucky with it, with the artist. So 
I tagged him later on for the first cover, which was, you know, back in 2010 or 11 when I talked to him. And, uh, yeah, he did. He's been doing some great work awesome. with the covers. Now, where are you from originally? Are you from Florida? No, I'm originally from Long Island. Okay. Wow. Um, I was born in Boston. My, both of my parents are from Massachusetts. Um, parents got divorced and eventually ended up in Long Island where I went. Just I pretty much was there until I went to college, went to school in New York, and then um, graduate school in Boston, and then eventually started teaching in New York in the South Bronx, and then I moved to Florida in 95. How different is it uh, teaching in New York as opposed to uh, Florida? Back then, it was pretty different because the there were a lot of more a lot more intensity went into getting your certification up north. You really had to do I think a lot more at least for me as a new teacher. Plus, I was starting out in the South Bronx. I wasn't starting out in some cushy little yeah. school, <laughs> you know, where you know there were drug deals happening outside of the school on a daily basis. These kids were walking around with little pen knives so they could walk home safely every day and something I hadn't really been exposed to. And I was, of course, one of the few white teachers in the school at that time. It was mostly black and Hispanic. So mm -hmm. it was an eye-opening experience for me. Coming to Florida and starting teaching in Lakeland, which was a different perspective because most of the students there or the communities there were very religious. It was mm -hmm. very a larger Christian community than I was right. used to having grown up Jewish. So it was a very different place for me. But, you know, you, you adapt to the to the environment that you're in. Too. Sure. Um, and when what do so you teach like a certain grade now? You, you're a, a senior. You teach senior. Um, yeah, I teach 12th grade. I teach in the uh, international baccalaureate program mm -hmm. wow. and also um, teaching in the AP English literature courses oh this year i think i'm going to be doing um senior english and senior honors because they uh, they don't they don't have as many ap classes to give me yeah mm -hmm. so rather than having three different preparations to work on i'm only going to have the two so i'll have honors english and and then the ib so it'll be easier for me yeah it'll be yeah you could be more focused on what you're doing as yeah. opposed to splitting your time into three different sections so that's mm -hmm. got to be interesting deuce and i just a quick background on us you know we yeah, so we graduated Hanson High School, and schooling in general, Jennifer, who's Jennifer? In general, uh, is tough for teachers, students, the whole faculty. You have a lot, you have a lot on everyone's plate, a lot of responsibilities. And when you have like our class, which was a school that had two thousand kids, and it was only made for a thousand kids, that was a really tough, you know, tough time because they had to start building portables in the middle of the school year. And you, I'm now always thinking at the time, I'm like. It's like Portable City out yeah. there. I remember, like, you'd have one class in a building, and then you'd have to go to, like, three different portables after that, and you'd right. have to run across, like, from one end of the campus to the other, and I just, oh, my God, that was, that was the worst. But we took AP classes as well, and, and honors classes. Oh, and you I, did smarty uh, pants. I well, took, I, like, I, I took, did, like, basic, regular math. But the, we, what was it, uh, Mr. Cranston, I always give a big shout-out to him, because he was one of my favorite teachers. He uh, actually is part German. And he actually speaks fluent German, uh, and uh, he 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 taught germ German at um, at school as well as he also taught uh, advanced um, history and AP government something like that. And it was like very you know you know he was very all over the place. He had so many you know hands and so many different cookie jars, so to speak. Like he was all over the place. And I remember learning from him, and he's all you know AP is so much different because you have the opportunity. As a, I don't know if it's that way now. That's why I'm not going to ask you this question. 
you were able to take like uh, the AP course and get college credits or something like that. Is that still something that happens where you can take a, a course at the end of the year of your class and then go take like a I think it was like a test week. like a test we pass a test and then you can get college like credit, credit or something is that still something that happens it's been so long since we've been in school yeah. I don't remember no let's stay the same um, you take the course and then you take the exam and depending on the score you have to get it's a five point scale and you have to score three or higher oh, okay. oh wow to get the, yeah and depending on the school some schools won't take the score unless it's high enough some, some oh, of the bigger really? schools will only take the score if it's a four or a five. Oh wow gotcha so even just so getting like a university of florida or like a big school like mm -hmm. that probably is only going to take you you got a four or five on it and depending on the subject too oh so sure might, english might be one criteria and math might be something else Another. or science sure. so yeah yeah hmm. interesting because like this is interesting for me because like y you Especially when you say you're you were doing literature, it makes sense. You're a writer, and, and obviously you're, you're going to look at it in different eyes or whatever, because you're you know you do write all the time, and that's like your your love, and that's your thing. And also you've got to be able to go back and look into their shoes too, as you know a young kid writing as well. So it's we've all kind of struggled through that growing up. You know what you know because you can almost say writing is subjective, right? I mean, in a way, there's certain oh, very, ways very to write. So. There's certain correct ways to write. You know how to structure a sentence, a paragraph, and all that. But writing is an art form. It's another way to express yourself. And it's sometimes you, you go and you ask somebody, what's your favorite book? It's You're always going to get a different answer. It's the same thing as you ask people, what's your favorite comic book or what's your favorite movie? You know, everyone yeah. has their own different, you know, tastes and different, different loves, mm -hmm. you know. And for me, it's like when I, I took a sociology class, an advanced, uh, it, was, it was an honor sociology class. It was an AP sociology class. I remember that's what the whole class was all about is writing. Like we, we literally go like four weeks, write sit down every night and write about your day. Like, yeah. what'd you do? You know, what'd you, who'd you interact with? What type of people were you interacting with? Did you go anywhere? Did you go out to eat? Did you go out to eat? What type of people were sitting next to you, you know, across from me? It was very fascinating. And then I became a people watcher. And I know it sounds kind of weird, but like, I became a people watcher. And I was just reserve people. Like, I would go to Disney and I'd just be like, all right, these people are wearing these type of shirts. And I was kind of deciphering in my brain. Really, not at the time, I didn't realize I had, a, I had an analytical brain. But at, but at the time, I'm sitting here like, okay, well, they, they wear these type of shoes, these type of clothes. They're wearing these really short shorts. So that, that, that means that might be indicative that they're from the from Europe because in the UK, their style is different, right? They wear shorter right. shorts. So I was like thinking, going through my whole thought process in my brain, like how where are these people from? The type, you know, the way they cut their hair, and that means that, that means they're from somewhere else, and and listening to their accent, if you know, and all that, and uh, what type of book bags, if they wore fanny packs, if they, you know, just all these different things. Most people don't go into those th thought processes, but like I was, and it really opened my brain up into the world because I'm like, it's so fascinating just to see and to meet people because you know you never know who you will meet in your lifetime oh, and, yeah. and the things will influence on you. You yeah. know, like look it up. You know, Emerald City yeah. Comics. You know, it's a prime example. It's awesome. Like, going in that day, like I. We didn't know. Be worst. honest. Yeah. Deuce and I were like, "Oh, we got to make this long drive." Oh my god. I mean, it was a long yeah, drive for us too. For us, yeah. Because yeah. it was like it's an the hour opposite or direction. And a half yeah, we're like, "Oh man, so. we got to take this long drive." Go over to this place that we've never been before. We love comics, but you know. But also, and you got to understand for the listeners at home, like when we do events like that, like we're not getting paid. Yeah. So it's like your 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 bet is kind of the long con because right. you're like, well, if we go to this event, we might get more listeners or make new contacts, and that we're yeah. gonna make our money on the back end. Right. So. You Networking. never know when you yeah. leave how you did. That day we both had a good feeling because we met you, who we really liked. We, we met, met Josh, Josh who mm -hmm. we really liked. And I'm like, well, we made some good inroads here. And the people at Emerald City Comics loved Darryl, us. Daryl, they were yeah. awesome. Daryl's yeah. actually, 
remind me after the show. He's contacted me a couple times lately. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, His whole crew is really nice. Super good guy in Emerald City. I, I love. It was the place. a fun place. Yeah. I mean, it was yeah. literally like we said on that episode. Like it was floor to ceiling of merchandise. Oh my was, god, there was stuff everywhere, and <laughs> yeah. it was so cool because um, I know you don't have TV, but um, like the CW forty four, they do a ton of ads on there during like Arrow and Flash and stuff. And it was nice to actually be able to go inside it, like this this place I see every week on TV, and actually go in and see that it was actually as cool as it looked like on TV. So yeah, um, so yeah, so it's interesting for me because I, I love to talk. Obviously, we do a podcast where yeah. we can express ourselves on the internet. Uh, I just love to talk. And Deuce and I have known each other since high school for 18 years. It's a long time, and uh, you know, it's it's fascinating just to meet the different people that you meet and the chain of events that causes you to meet people yeah, too. It's wild. Like it really I always is. I always talk about how I met my wife and like how all these scenarios had to have happened, good and bad scenarios. And it's it always fascinates me to hear people's stories, you know. Like how people get to Florida cuz yeah. think about it. Deuce is like the only Florida native that I know. Everyone else yeah. I know is from somewhere else. You know, very rarely do you meet someone that's actually born from and raised here, that yeah. born and raised in Florida. So it's always fascinating to hear their tale. Like how did you get to Florida? Tell me. I want to know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the reason I got the Florida is because my dad. Uh, two things: my my dad worked for Seven Eleven, and Seven uh, Eleven became uh, balled out. Uh, they became franchised, and they got all balled out by Circle K. So there is no Seven Elevens in Louisiana at so, all. At all. Really? So the whole state. The whole state. Wow. So which is a big deal. Uh, and so, but the near my dad was like got a promotion in Alabama and Mississippi, and they're like, ah, we don't like the area. And then they got a call to Florida back in 88, 89. And they're like, oh, well, if you want to come over, you know, come check it out. So we went to Florida in 89, stayed there for like a year or two. Got He got a promotion back in Louisiana for another co- gas station company called Cracker Barrel, not this, the country not food the, store yeah. that we know. Uh, it was a different one. Uh, and then he was there as like a supervisor, and then he got a, another promotion back in Florida. So we bounced back and forth between Florida and I don't think a lot, I don't think I've ever told the story on the no, podcast actually. So we learned a little I bit more about me too. Yeah, that. bounced around yeah. a couple times, and then we've been in Florida since like '92 straight. You know, forever. You're like an army brat, but a yeah. gas station. Yeah, brat. gas station yeah. brat. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so that's kind of like my story, you know. And of course, David, you came down from New York. Uh, and I know I knew a lot. Of, I have a friend that used to live in Lowell, Mass, um, uh, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. and uh, that's why that's where they the filmed the movie The Fighter, I think, uh, with a Christian Bale. Okay. Yeah, and Mark Wahlberg. That was that was filmed in Lowell, and there's a big fighting community there. Apparently, uh, boxing community and MMA and stuff, which is cool. Um, but for me, it's like interesting to hear the tale of like how people came. You know, because I always tell people it's like because people always say, "Oh, I regret this or I regret that." Well, I've I've always been the firm belief that your life decisions and your past shapes who you become. You know, and to never really dwell on your past. You know, to look into the future and learn from it. So yeah. it's always for me. It's like. If I made one different decision in my life, I probably would be somewhere else. I'd be different, you know. And I might even yeah. change who I became, you know, like you know, the whole society versus nature versus nurture kind of thing. And it's just uh, sometimes we get a little philosophical on our show because we're a tan- we're we're a, uh, a con- conversational podcast, so we like to talk about different things. One thing I want to talk to you, David, um, is when you're writing, do you do before you do say your first book? Because you know, when we talked to you in Emerald, you said you've been working on that first book for a while, like several years. You like the idea of uh, the Task Force Sky series is something that you had in your mind for a while and that you've been, you were writing for a while and you finally got it completed. Do you, when you got into book two, did you, like, as you said, you had like a five books in mind. Do you have like a whole outline for each book or does it kind of like, do you, does it shape and change as you go? Because I know there's some writers that kind of 
have a point a, a and then and then a b and but they kind of as they're writing they fill in you know the yeah. the point from a to b they kind of in between parts yeah or do you kind of already have the whole outline this is the main you know the characters the protagonist the antagonist this is the the arc they go through this is the the uh, i don't know the uh uh what do you call it in the film with the um beats yeah, the beats and stuff. Like, do you have that already figured out? Because action scenes and all that, or is it kind of like, all right, I have a beginning and end, and this is just kind of like I pepper these ideas throughout as I'm writing. Like, how does that – take us on your journey, like <laughs> when you write a book, because I'm curious. Well, <clears throat> yeah, the first book was started in high school as a short story, and so it took me about 25 years wow. to finish and publish that. The second book actually was supposed to be part of book one, but as a first-time author, putting out a book that's 800 pages – probably wouldn't have done very well. So I kind of knew that that second story would be a lot easier to finish. And it, it took me about 10 months to do, to get that done, because I knew where the story was going. Yeah. Book three took longer, because I, while I had an idea, I didn't plan through book five. Although I do have ideas for the fifth one, I haven't plotted out the storyline yet. I'm leaving, a, some of it's going to be more organic to the story and how it unfolds. I, I don't want to have a set thing, because I feel like if I'm locked into that, and I fall in love with another idea, I don't want to think, oh, well, I can't use that now because I'm set to go to the very end. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So book book four is really where the growing pains have started because book three was an easier book to write. Book four is, I'll be honest, it's been a bit of a challenge. I know what plots have to be resolved from book three. I know, you know what's going on, but mm -hmm. as far as the resolution of that to get to book five, I'm not entirely sure yet, and that, that'll come as I get further and further along. I also have to make sure I'm covering each of the characters that I want you know, the, the reader to see. There are the main characters, and then there are those who sort of circle around the main characters. Right. Sure. So, and there are some newer characters that came up in book three and some newer ones that will come up in book four that I have to incorporate and now figure out, okay, well now how are they going to fit into the, the, the multiple plot lines that I'm, I'm working out here? They always say, and we've talked to some other writers too, and they always say book one is typically the hardest because it's about the world building. It's about creating yeah. the mythos, mm -hmm. literally mythos in your situation too, uh, and also exposition, like yeah, learning exposition, a, exposition heavy, yeah. a heavy, you know, having the dialogue, learning how the characters talk, how their chemistry between each other, mm -hmm. introducing all these things. And they and they always say book two is a little bit easier because you already have had to st like usually they usually take a few chapters just to reiterate what happened in the f other book like the characters and who they are and then you kind of just get to go full steam and usually book two on you know you look at different writers they kind of do the same thing they're just like all right well I already have all this figured out and mm -hmm. who these characters are because like you said they can kind of change over time and to be able to go in from that point on is is fascinating for me because you look at one you look at an author that for, well, I'm going to throw J.K. Rowling in, in the mix real, real quick because you know she has a huge series of the Harry Potter books and I, I, reading book one to book eight is a totally different experience like she's gone through all these journeys and yeah. arcs and the same thing I'm understanding with book two uh, in your series is like the, some you know different characters are introduced but the whole since I already know the inner workings pretty much of the first characters which you and I uh, off off uh, off air will go through our because uh, I have a whole, I literally wrote an outline I don't have with me but I wrote an outline <laughs> of my thoughts of the first book and we Deuce and I decided before you came on we didn't really want to spoil the book because we want people to you know read it so yeah. if you spoiled everything then yeah. you know maybe we, what we'll do is we'll we'll have you come back on when you're done with book four or maybe book five depending on how long that takes and we could do a whole recap of each book 
you know, oh, like, wow. like, like, do like a don't do all five at one yeah. time, but yeah. like maybe we can even do like a for people that want to hear our like review of it. We can review each book yeah. and have you on, and we can, if you want to do something like that in sure. the future, that'd be really cool. Because mm-hmm. I do, there's things that I want to talk to you about on air that I I don't want to because it'll spoil some stuff. My, do you want to do you want to take a break and then get in into the questions? Sure, sure, um, yeah. Let's and take then, a quick then we can kind of segue off of that. Yeah, um, let's take a quick. Let's break. take a quick break and we'll be right back with David Berger. Uh, and the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. Yep. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by... Agia Productions is an Orlando-based film and photo company. They work with a lot of local cosplayers. Shooting their pictures against the green screen will allow the team to make the cosplayer into a real-life hero. Agia has done some charity work as well, working alongside Rock Pink for breast cancer awareness. Find them at a convention and you'll be able to rent out one of the talented photographers to take some awesome high-def pictures of you and your family. Not a cosplayer? That's okay, too. Agia can take you and your family and put them anywhere you want to be. Also, Agia Productions does weddings, graduation, quinceaneras, bar mitzvahs, you name it, and you need a photo crew, Agia can do it. Also, don't miss out their newest film short, The Corridor. Find The Corridor on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash The Corridor Film. Also, go to Agit's website at www.agiatt.com to learn more about them and give them a like on Facebook. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Josh Bauer, a.k.a. JB Designs. If you haven't seen his work, he does amazing stuff. He does comic book art, video game characters, movie art. It's awesome. It's even hanging right now in our Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce Studios. You're definitely going to want to check it out. Head to www.joshbauerartist.com, and that's www.joshbauerartist.com, and you can find them on all the social media outlets, including Facebook, Instagram, and even YouTube. And make sure to follow his event page and catch him at upcoming events like JB Designs Invades Tampa Bay Comic Con, August 5th through August 7th, and Claremont Comic Con, November 20th. Also, you can find his online store at jbdesigns.storeenvy.com. That's jbdezigns.storeenvy.com. You can find his original paintings, prints, posters, and mini prints. And Deuce, there's a special promo code for our Happy Hour listeners. If you'll put in the promo code Deuces on the Loose, and that is spelled D-U-C-E-I-S-O-N-T-H-E-L-O-O-S-E, you'll get 25% off prints, posters, and mini prints. And if you see them on one of the upcoming events, tell them you're a Happy Hour podcast listener to receive something special. And don't forget to see our boy and our friend Josh Bauer of JB Designs. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy Happy Hour with with Johnny Johnny and Deuce sent you. And Johnny, I think we got questions in the mailbag for David. We do, and then it was funny because I had just David had made a post like earlier that morning and something about yeah, I'm going to be on the happy yeah. hour with Johnny and Deuce, and, and I was like, oh man, I should put it like a, a our email if people have questions, you yeah. know, because 
people love books and they love yeah. writing and, and all that stuff. And who knows what type of questions we'd get. And we started getting questions after you left work, actually, right yeah. before I left work. So I thought I'd read a few of them to you and see, you know, what what you have to say about these <laughs> from our uh, listeners of a show. All right. First email uh, is from Vanessa Smith. She says, hey, guys, I love your show. And Brandy is a great addition to your show. And it's great to see a female's perspective on topics. She's also super cute. Too bad she's already taken. He, he, he. Okay. okay. Interesting. I was curious to know how long Mr. Burger, Mr. Burger, that's cool, has been writing for. Um, and who was his biggest influence for Dr. Halston? She really cracks me up. I appreciate your time. Tell Brandy she rocks heart. Sincerely, Vanessa. So that was peppered in with Brandy Love as well. So interesting. Uh, we kind of talked a little bit about, how, you know, how long you've been writing for, you know, for a while. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, for those who don't know, uh, Dr. Halston is, has, is a very kind of like, she's very charming and sarcastic and witty. Like she, she knows how to like dis- dif- diffuse a situation with words. So uh, how would you equate um, Dr. Halston? Um, Aetha, 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 right? Forget her, her uh, Alita, her god, god name, uh, or Alita's her uh, human name. Um, who, who, who's your influence on her? Like, who would you say like influence? Obviously, physically, you said who she looks like, but like personality-wise, who, who do you think? Like, who were you thinking of when you uh, wrote her? Well, you know, it's funny when people ask about, you know, for example, for me, you think, well, do you have any characters that are based on you as the writer? Oh, and and I don't have a particular one character. I think that the four of them. The four main characters are, in a way, me, but just divided into different qualities that I have. Oh, okay. So my sarcastic side, my biting sense of humor for some some people, um, comes out through Alita. Sure. And when I'm having my internal, you know, dialogue with her, because she does talk to me, and we have these, we have these things, these um, have it out a little bit. Because when I'm writing something for her, I'll get this little tap on the shoulder, and she's like, "Yeah, that's not how I would say that." No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Try again. And, she, and I even get the sarcasm in my head from her. I mean, yeah. she's almost like a living entity for me. All of them are. Um, so she's my sarcastic side, my slightly dry humor side. Right. So, Because there really isn't any one person I could use for those characters. Right. I didn't – I mean, physically, yes. But as far as internal stuff, I needed her to be – the other characters don't have the same kind of humor. She's they can be funny, they can be a little off, but she's the one that has to have the uh, the razor sharp wit. I think razor sharp wit wit is a really good way to describe her. Uh, to throw it to Deuce, I'd give him an example uh, since Deuce hasn't read your book yet. I would equate her, and then this is this is something you can feel. She's kind of like Buffy Summers a little bit, where she's yeah. very she's strong human, right. uh, um, and she's very you know strong within herself. She's confident. But she also could talk to people, <clears throat> yeah. and she's very charming, and and she's able to like get in a situation, and she's able to you know uh, talk people out. You know, if it's a bad situation, she's able to like diffuse this situation, and she's able to like joke with her friends too, and yeah. uh, you know tease them a little bit, but in a you know fun way. Yeah. So she's really, I like her a lot too. She's, I, it's funny how like when you look at different characters in your head, because when you read a book, you have that's what's so tough when you see a movie based on a book. Because you already had, if you, especially if the book came out, you know, 
you know, a few years before, you have like all these preconceived notions in your head of how the character is developed. And usually in most books, especially back in the day, you didn't have all these amazing artwork and, and sketches yeah. in the back. You just had the cover. So you had to like kind of base your character, your own input, based on what the, the cover looked like. Mm-hmm. And then you see a movie, and then the movie's totally different than the way you thought the character would be. So I always thought that was kind of fascinating, you know, when you read a book and then watch the movie based on it. Because not I, personally, I mean, you guys can disagree with this. I say personally nine out of ten times the book is better than the movie in most oh, cases. Oh, easily. Yeah, because you have time to flesh out characters, and you know you're able to, you know you know you don't want to sit through like most people don't want to sit through a six hour movie to be able to go through mm-hmm. you know a large yeah. book. You know a lot of movies, you know, two and a half hours is the average runtime for a film, and this it's very tough to get a whole breadth of a book in, you know, yeah, a two and a half hour movie. I mean, look at like, look at Peter Jackson. He tried his best with the Lord of the Rings, and he made the even the extended editions were like four hours long, you know? And the that wasn't it. lunch edition. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So even him, he didn't have enough time to really like get everything, and he, he did his best to get through the appendices and throw them in and, and do that for the Hobbit movies, and like it's just, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, anyway, so thank you, Vanessa Smith, for that question. Uh, thank you for writing in, and for those who listening at home, you can send us. Um, we are going to be doing a mailbag uh, episode soon, so definitely send us an email, show at gmail.com. And also, real quick, how do people find your books online to purchase? Well, you can go on Amazon.com and do a search for Task Force Gaia, G-A-E-A. Um, I find the easiest way when I'm looking for my own pages so I can go back in there is just type in Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R, and Gaia, and that pulls the page right up, and you can see all the books. Awesome. So go on there. Um, now, people, obviously, I have the the tangible, the tangible books. You can right. buy those, but you can do. You have a Kindle or a digital yes, version as there well. There are Kindle versions for all the books and paperback versions as well. Because I am self published, they're not available in stores. So you'd have to go onto Amazon, um, and there are ways. Actually, you can email me or contact me through Amazon page as well as, well as my own author page if people want signed copies we can work out an arrangement using paypal oh awesome nice. cool. to do that as well awesome so definitely go do that tell them tell them the happy hour johnny do sent you mm-hmm. um our next email is from gina torres she goes hi everyone i just started listening to your e3 podcast show uh and i followed your podcast on stitcher i was curious what david thought of the digital world of writing i.e kindles ipads I personally love tangible books. It's magical when you open up a book for the first time. You guys rule. Uh, hyphen DBZ Gina. P.S. Are you guys still needing questions for your mailbag? Much thanks. So, yes, we are yes, needing we questions. Are, yeah. uh, so, Gina, if you're listening, send us a question for the mailbag. So, I guess she's pretty much asking you, you know, you as a writer, you've been through the whole generation, you know, of the transitional change into the digital world. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, there's obviously pros and cons to having a digital book as opposed to having, you know, a book that you have to carry and it, there's a weight to it and yeah. you can't, you know, Kindle, you can put thousands of books on, you know, one device. So what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I lean towards the paper copies, obviously. Yeah. I think um, reading a book for me has always been a multi-sensory experience. It's, yeah. not, just oh, the, it's yeah. not just the visual. The smell of the pages of a book, the yeah. physical cover, um, whether it's a smooth cover or, or uh has a texture to it those those to me enhance the experience as well the uh, the actual action of turning a page and if it's a book i own sometimes even dog earing a page if i have to or sticking a bookmark those are things that are very tactile for me 
and you, you just don't get that when you're using uh, an ebook. Yeah. Although ebooks do have a purpose. I mean, if you if you are an avid reader and you want to have multiple books available to you when you travel or wherever you're going, having it, you know on your phone. I mean, I have the Kindle app on my phone, so occasionally if I'm out to eat and I want to sit and read a book, I'm not going to take the book with me. Mm-hmm. So I would just sit there and flip through it. So there are certainly advantages. Uh, it just depends on the the I guess the the love affair that you have with reading. For me, I can I can love the ebook, but I I have a, a passion for the paper. I think the paper books for me are, are more important, and my I couldn't not I couldn't not have books in my library at home. I mean, there's only so many books a, a room can hold, but I'd rather buy a new house and have a bigger room yeah. than than just have to give books away. I mean, yeah. just think that's that's a sacrilege. You know, I, I I kind of put that in the same perspective of comic books, too, because comic books, Deuce and I had a conversation before about, you know, they have the Comixology app, and you have the Marvel app and DC app, and Marvel has, like, a pr- subscription. You can get, like, the last two years of – or previous two years and, and backwards up to that point. Uh, you can get as, read as much as you want, which sounds interesting. But the, my, you can get caught up or whatever. But, like, there's a thing about going into a comic book, sh- comic book shop and going through and, and perusing the titles and picking them up and the feel, and the feel like you said about the, the books yeah. is very similar experience and um, comic books are very I don't know like it's very word of mouth even maybe more so um, than like movies and television because like a comic book shop can live and die by the community that's around it mm-hmm. so oh, yeah. mm-hmm. that's you know so it's very important like if you see something you like tell people and that's why I love we love supporting local artists and authors and all that because it's like tell people because you get that word of mouth effect we always talk deuce and i always talk about guardians of the galaxy sure that was a marvel film and and all that but it was a very a wild horse film like no one most the average yeah wild card and most people had most of the average audience had no idea who these characters were and there's even a lot of comic book writers like myself writers readers uh one day maybe no readers that actually never really read guardians of the galaxy i knew of the characters but didn't really break down and read their stories so for me going into it i was kind of going in blind which i really liked and so, like, and that had such an impact on me. I was like, oh, my gosh. A, it takes a lot for me to get into the theaters. It's, you know, a big commitment with the kids and stuff. So I w- so my wife and I, Brandy, we went in there, and we went and saw it, and we were blown away. We were like, oh, my gosh, this, this is awesome. So you go, so we told our friends, and then they told their friends. And then the Internet, with Twitter, you got to see, too, with Twitter and Facebook and all that, like, being able to, mm-hmm. like, share something, and then it immediately gets sen- seen around the world, like, in seconds. It's fascinating to me. So, like, when you put something online – like, all right, I'm working on my new book. You know, people all over the world can see that. It's it's fascinating to see how connected we are than 10 years ago. You know, you you know, you know, go to a shop and that's it. But now I think a lot of artists can say, hey, I have a big avenue, big open, my resources have opened since, you know, a, a decade ago. You're able to tell people on Tumblr and Twitter and Facebook and all the different social media and Instagram. And so it's, you know, we I, I even Instagram, like I think I Instagram one of your books and I got like 25 likes on it already or something. And people I'd never met, strangers, complete strangers. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> fascinating. So it's like you'd be able to open your world and your product and your services and just your your likes to the whole world in seconds. is uh, That's why we use hashtags for everything. Yeah. Deuce and I are like, we were like one of the proponents, like hashtag everything. Hashtag podcast, you know, hashtag, you know, we even have our own hashtags that we're trying to, you know, get off the ground. Hashtag deuces on the loose and hashtag happy hour podcast and all that. So when people do find us, they can be like, oh, I know that podcast, that podcast because I found the hashtag and, yep. and so on. Because we have listeners from all over the world, China. We have a big contingency in Brazil, believe it or not. Yep. So I always say obrigado for, you know, thank you in, in uh, Portuguese so of our uh, Brazilian listeners because they, they, we see all the numbers every week with all of our 
we can look on analytics, SoundCloud yeah. analytics. We can see who people, f- you know, and all that stuff. So, uh, for 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 me, it's interesting because like when I when I look at books, I it brings me back to when I was a kid and I would go into the library. Just think about what a library is nowadays, because kids are instant access online, the internet, and all this. They're so. Uh, I think you and I were talking about this before. A lot of kids are very like instant gratification. They want things now. The YouTube society where you, you want to mm-hmm. go see a video, immediately see yeah. it, and you're done. Look up something, you're done. The, the, the sense of exploration is kind of lost now. Because like, you go into a library and you're like, I don't even know what this book is. I want to go and just read it. Check it out. And this looks interesting to me. But like, you mm-hmm. don't have the whole... Like, I remember when I was a kid, I would look up stuff like uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica. I'll go in and be like, all right, I'm going to go to the D section and just look at stuff and research stuff. Now you can Google anything you want in seconds, but the, the whole sense of exploration, sure, you can go through rabbit holes on the internet, but like you don't just stumble across things as well as you used to, and I think some of the magic is lost there. I, I, I don't think we'll ever recapture that, you know, the mystery of discovery. You know, like for me, it's 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 not like it used to be, but um, there's always pros and cons to everything. Technology, you know, with digital books, uh, I have a, a tablet, like a Samsung tablet, and I have the Kindle app on it, so I'll go through and get books. But I, I just I can't read comics digitally. I, I have a thing. I just want to read. <laughs> I want to be able to open it up. I like like you. I like to have a, a sense of there's like an intrinsic value for me. Like I want to have that book, my collection. You always mm-hmm. joke to people. I always joke to people about music collection because you have all this music now that is online. You know, you double click on your computer folder and you're like, look at my music collection. You know, sometimes when you have something digitally, you forget what you have, you know, and when you have like a whole library, you have a bookshelf, like you can be like, go through and show people and people can be like, oh, I've never seen this and have conversations about it. I just, when you have a collection that's digital, it's so, I don't know, not as personal, you know, like not as a, I don't know, you can't really brag about it. Like we have our studio, we have all of our, our video games and stuff. Like we can show people like, look at this, we have all these games and they're there and they're. You know, there's intrinsic <laughs> value, especially to the carts. They've gone up a lot. They're like gold. They go up in value every year. Yeah, they are. But it's for me, it's like I agree with you guys. I feel like when you have like a tent, Deuce and I, are, I think from the last generation of, you know, that really appreciates tangible objects, t- tangible product, tangible yeah, I don't media. don't buy anything digital. It's all going to be hard media. Like, yeah. I don't won't buy anything, just a digital copy of it. Cause I we just, appreciate it. I see the value in yeah. that. Like if I can hold it in my hand, I own it. But if it's just mm-hmm. out in the cloud, I just don't see the also lending the a value. lending something to people yeah. too like if i'm like hey deuce you gotta check this book out this book is awesome yeah. you know go, you know you or a movie friend. or anything yeah let yeah. someone borrow it you know and then and then they become a fan of it and then they want to join the whole franchise or whatever it is yeah. and they want to buy the the second series in the book or, or movie or television show and all that stuff so it's the whole netflix effect right people love to binge mm. stuff they go through <laughs> and they want to binge a yeah. whole season it's easy to do though right yeah. especially when it's all there for you you know but it's just for me. It's I have a love hate relationship with with tangible with uh, digital media. So it's I know that's where the world's going. But I appreciate the question, Gina. Thank you for asking because like I had a question. I actually had a question for David. Kind of sure. offshoot that yeah. question because it's something you mentioned during that question. You said when you go out to eat because me and you are both bachelors and single guys. What's your go-to move like when you go out and eat by yourself? Do you normally like read a book when you're eating if you're by yourself, or is there like a certain thing you do when you go and eat by yourself? Because uh, Johnny, I don't. Do you ever go and eat like at a restaurant like where you sit down by yourself? I because I don't think you could tell me the last time you did that. I mean, I do it a lot, but oh man, I don't. I don't know. It's maybe I've. 
gone. I think the last time I went was downtown Disney when I was waiting to go see a movie. I sat down and, and grabbed a bite at like the the Express uh, Wolfgang Puck Wolfgang Express, Puck Express yeah. there. Uh, it's called Disney Springs now. Right. Uh, Disney downtown Disney when when I was there. Uh, and I think I sat down and ate. I don't think that counts as a restaurant. It's just a side express, like fast food almost. <laughs> but, but no, I mean, the actual sit-down restaurant by myself, oh, I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah, I guess I don't yeah. do that as much. I eat a lot with the kids, but with me well, and the yeah, kids. Yeah, but see, like, because you've got a wife and you've got kids, so it's different. Like, me and David are in a different boat. Like, right. if I'm hungry and I want to go eat, I still have to go eat. Like, I don't have an anybody else to bring sure. with me. You've got the entourage because you got the wife and the kids. But do you guys try to go out with friends more? Because maybe that because I have some friends that are single and they're like hey I, I can't go to the movies or go eat by myself so I try to get a group of people with me. Do you guys try to do that or do you there's something it's uh, there's there's some was it the quant or the solid the solace right like being able to like go by yourself and enjoy yourself your own oh, self yeah. personal time because I think a lot of times when you're you know with friends you kind of Sometimes people are different around a group of friends. You don't yeah. get the really – there is definitely some pleasure in, in self-time as well, yeah. you know, being able to kind of mm-hmm. reflect on yourself and reflect on what you're doing and, you know, like your life, I guess. Yeah. Like I, I, I would go to the movies by myself because I do that all the time. But going out to dinner, I don't know, like that's – because I people watch, right? Because yeah. that's all I would do. I'd be so distracted because of my OCD. And I'd have someone to talk to if I'm eating, I guess. I would just be like – I probably wouldn't eat. That yeah. I don't know, like, because I just we so people watching as we talked about earlier. I would probably wouldn't enjoy my meal as much if I was by my. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what to you answer think? your question, yes. yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I default to reading. Reading. So um, most of the time, I'll have the Kindle app open, and because I I know I have a lot of author friends who will you know promote a book of theirs and either they'll give me a copy or I'll, I'll just download it off of Amazon. Right. You know, and I can sit and read, you know, during dinner. Um, occasionally, you know, if I don't have a lot of time to do that, I'll flip through Facebook or something. But yeah. most of the time, it's just reading time for me. I mean, during the summer, is, uh, there's obviously a lot more time for me. Yeah. But even during the school year, when I go out to dinner by myself, it is that alone time. I mean, yeah, I could bring in food and cook it in the house and all, yeah. but... I do want to be somewhat social and get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I also because I want to enjoy the uh, the idea of having someone else cook my meal for me once yeah. in a while. Mm-hmm. But you know, even though I am alone at the table, I mean, there are times. Yeah, I want friends to be there, but for mo- for the most part, I'm actually very comfortable being by myself. I don't have you know, to be surrounded yeah. by people. Yeah. And occasionally, you know, if I go out, like I, I go to Sweet Tomatoes mostly because it's the easiest place for me to go and. And just sit there and eat. And plus, but they've got really healthy options too, which is nice. Sure. Yes, yeah. they do. They do. And occasionally, somebody will walk up and, and just start chatting. You know, once yeah. in a while, somebody will sit at the next table and, oh, hey, what are you reading? And, yeah. you yeah. know, because not, I don't notice a lot of people doing that reading right. at the table. So they'll ask, and so we'll have a five-minute conversation about it. But, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. I mean, I, I like to engage myself i can't just sit and eat by myself i actually yeah. have to have a book in front of me or if i have or a something uh, yeah yeah um if i'm not doing that i feel awkward like i'm just okay i'm just yeah. eating there's nothing else going on i have to right. have at least some kind of distraction while i'm shoveling food in my face so yeah. sure yeah I, I, I think it's good to have your own you know time to recharge your batteries if you will because mm-hmm. like oh, that's yeah. so important and even brandy and i like we 
we actually were like, hey, all right, this is going to be Johnny time. This is going to be Brandy time. Because even you as two a, were really good about that, we try our best. Because I think a lot when you're in a relationship, a lot of couples are like, it's all about each other, and uh, you have to feel like you're spending all this time. <laughs> and sometimes you can get overwhelmed, you know. And Brandy and I have been together for 13 years, and I'm like, you know, we we find time where Brandy's like, Brandy loves to read. My wife is even more of a reader than I am. Uh, she literally reads books every day, every single day. Um, and she's a fast reader. She can read an entire book within an hour or two, like a whole book. Like she's a fast reader and she attains all of it. Uh, so like she, and she loves to read fan fiction too. She has a, she has like all the fan fiction sites like AO9 and fanfiction.net. Like she knows all of them and she has them on her phone or her surface and like she has it all bookmarked and then she'll, she'll read all the new stories, go on Amazon and see what the new you know books are for, you know, the best sellers and stuff. And she'll go through all that. So like she, she knows like all the different things she can read and, and she's a good, she's just really fat. She loves to read. Like, so that is her 100% her favorite solo brandy stuff. Like she will be reading 90% of the time. So, which Obviously, I also realize like someone's vocabulary. You look at someone's vocabulary. A lot of times, someone that has a larger vocabulary is someone that likes to read a lot. So it's in the same. My wife was an English major, so it's like, you know, she she got her degree in music because that's you know she's she went to school for music, but she also was you know she wanted to be an English uh, major as well. So she she has a large uh, large vocabulary, and so it's like it's fascinating for her and I will be like we do this joke where she'll say something that's like I always say, well, that's a, that, I like that word, you know, or something like that. It's like, oh, good word choice. And we always do that between each other because it's like a word that's more than two or three syllables. You're like, hey, that's <laughs> pretty neat. Uh, and I love to, and I also have an app on my phone called Word of the Day, which I love. It's from Dictionary, the Dictionary app. It'll it'll sh- it'll pop up every day with like a new word that you may or may not know. And you kind and I always try to like put it into a sentence or put it in my life. How would I? take that word in my life and it sometimes are really obscure and you don't you yeah. won't use them but you, you'll take words and then i try to fit them in my normal conversation like so, pepper it in throughout the day pepper it, yeah pepper it in yeah pepper it in throughout the day and it's it's interesting to because when you talk to people and david and i you and i had this conversation before it's like sometimes you you don't want to have to dumb down your vocabulary to talk to other people because you, you don't want to feel like you're like being very hoity-toity and very like, hey, look at me, I I have a bigger vocabulary than you are, you know, than you, than you have. So you don't want people to feel like you're you're trying to be better than they are. You know, you never want that feeling either. But you also don't want to, you know, make yourself feel less of a person. So it's always that fine line you got to walk with vocabulary. And sometimes you'll say a word and people are like, oh, okay, well, I know that word, and, and or they'll ask you. Like my son, he talks all the time, and I love it because I never want him to make him feel bad for asking questions. You know, and I but you know, as a teacher, you get questions all the time. That's mm-hmm. that's one of your main jobs. Other is other than teaching is answering questions, right? Because people people want to learn. And I, I and I was a kid that talk. Obviously, I talk a lot. I'm talking a lot in this episode. I love to talk, and talkers, and I would consider myself an extrovert, but I can be introverted at times. But for the most part, I'm good around people. I'm good around big groups. Uh, unless my OCD gets me a little bit, then I have to. Dig, you know, get yeah. into the little hole over here in, in the back room and pull my guitar out and play and zone out. So if we have like parties or whatever, I have to like even my birthday party. I was like, all right, I gotta take a few minutes, go back here and zone out for a minute. But sometimes that happens. Uh, but for the most part, it's like you know, vocabulary. No one's really mastered English, you know, because that that's something I always found interesting when someone says, yeah, I. I I've mastered four languages. I'm like, really? Have you really mastered those languages? I think you are coherent in those languages, and I think that you were able to 
you know, keep a conversation with those. But I don't think anyone's even mastered the, you know, our own, I don't think anyone's mastered English, right? Like the actual, like, you know, every word in the dictionary, you know how to use every word properly. Like uh, you're fluent, more maybe more than fluent in English because that's your language of choice. But are you, ma- have you really mastered English? That's a really tough thing to say. And I, thoughts, I know I'm talking a lot. Thoughts on that? Sorry. I mean, I just kind of ramble sometimes, but that's what I do. Well, I think with my books, too, uh, as a writer, I, I did not want to dumb down right. my writing. So I've had people comment, and a few Amazon reviews will say, you know, why do you have to use every word in the English language, and why couldn't you just say this this different way? I'm not trying to write towards a young adult audience particularly, and if yeah. young adults want to read the book, that's fantastic. I mean, and certainly sure. they can. Yeah. But my my promotional, I guess, direction is it's fantasy for grown-ups. Yeah, sure. Because... Grown-ups like to read books, too. And, yes, they, we can all pick up a Percy Jackson or a, a YA read <coughs> yeah. and do do those books, too. Sure. But sometimes you want to read a book that has a slightly more challenging vocabulary to it, sure. yeah. something that's going to make you think a little bit rather than just be – I don't want it to be a fluff read. I don't want it to just be something you can pick up and put down easily. I'd like you to have to think yeah. about what you're reading. I enjoy books that way. If I have to go look up a word – you know, uh, from what I'm reading, that actually challenges me and go, oh, I didn't know that word. Yeah. And I, th- you know, I, I would say I'm pretty fluent in English. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously I teach, teach in the subject, but I mean, I would never say I've mastered the language right. either. But I have a curiosity about it. Sure. Yeah. If I come across words I don't know or grammatical constructions I don't understand. Sure. I don't know. I don't know that. I'll Google it and see what it, what it is. And it's fun. You know, yeah. Fun exploring. And, it and is. I, I love, and I think there's, <coughs> some people have the inherent, mm. like, I always call myself the research, the researcher of all things because I research all day constantly about everything because I want to know everything. I love learning. The joy of learning and progressing is a great feeling to me. Like there's I'll go in and we'll, we'll watch it like a television show. Right. And you'd be like, all of a sudden the parts kind of put together like, oh, this is what's going to happen. I, I can kind of see where this is going. And it's a cool moment. And then you find out, A, it did go the way you were planning, or B, it didn't go the way you are planning. And you still are like, all right, I could still see it going that way. But it's fascinating because uh, Brandy, she, she, her and I will sit down and talk about like a, a, like a video game, for example. And she's a huge puzzle. She loves puzzles. We talked about the room escape stuff earlier in Orlando. And like she, some people just use a different part of their brains, you know, and they love that. And they love to kind of like dissect, di, uh, dissect things and look things through their own way and, you know, compartmentalize things and whatnot. So for me, it's like when it comes to books, like it – I. Uh, a lot of the words that I that I know is because of books because I did the same thing like back in the day when you didn't have the internet and you didn't have Google or Yahoo at you know at the time you uh, Lycos oh, showing my age here <laughs> you go back you know and you go in and you ask your parents like what does this mean what is that word you know and they tell you like Logan and that's what surprises me is I don't my wife and I don't, don't dumb down our vocabulary around the kids and they have a pretty expansive vocabulary for, and my daughter's three years old and like she she told me the other day she's like. She came into the room. And she's like, "Daddy," I'm like, "Yes." She goes, "Um, why do you, why do you pick up the controller like this? And what, wh- what is your left thumb doing?" And a, I'm thinking, "How did uh, you're only three years old, and you know, you understand that when I'm picking up a video game controller, that the left analog stick, I'm doing something with my thumb, my left thumb." I'm sitting here like she's at three years old, already able to decipher that. First of all, and B, she knows that there's something different going on with my left thumb opposed to my right thumb. I'm sitting here like, that's fascinating to me. And <laughs> we just don't dumb down our vocabulary. Like we'll we'll talk about everything. And if they don't know the word, they'll ask us or they'll repeat stuff. That's one thing is one of the biggest things about being around family members and friends. Like when you have kids, is 
That's what I'm saying. Like, try not to curse around my kids because, like, kids absorb everything. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you don't think you're, you know, doing yeah. it, the pi- mm-hmm. kids will yeah. pick up your mannerisms. And I remember, like, when I, I, I when I get upset, uh, when I would get upset, I would be like, I'd breathe heavier. I'd be like, <sighs> whatever. So when Logan got mad at me, for example, a couple weeks ago, he'd be like, <sighs> Daddy. You know, and like I'm, I'm sitting there, it dawned on me. He picked that up for me. You, so I gotta yeah. like watch what I do around. The kids are like sponges; they just mm-hmm. absorb oh, yeah. everything. So, and you probably experience that too. Uh, even though the kids are older, you know, in school, like you know, it's fascinating. Like the kids that want to sit in front of the class, you know, that want to learn, that ask questions. Usually, typically, don't they succeed more than the other kids? Like in your, or is it the kids? Like in your experience, how does that for you? Well, I think kids, you know, position themselves in places of comfort in the classroom. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> some people are more comfortable in the back. Some people are more comfortable in the front. Sure. But the kids who you can just tell when they're more focused, it's their posture. They're not focusing on their cell phone. Sure. They're not. Um, their desk is, you know, cleared off with all this, the stuff that would distract them. Mm-hmm. They can sit there and pay when you're, they're looking at you in the face. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they're actually engage with you there are some kids who are pretty good at looking at you in the face and totally zoning i'm sure but but yeah i mean it's it's certainly you you're it's pretty obvious to me when kids are looking at me and thinking wow this is interesting versus i wish he would stop talking you know there's there's moments when you can see that their eyes glaze over and you're like okay they're looking they're waiting for the bell to ring yeah and time to go but when we're getting into something new and different you can just tell when the kid, they sit up. They actually physically sit up a little bit sure. and, and then lean forward. and yeah. Or they shift to where they can you know, turn around. If I move around the room, they're actually turning their body with me. Oh, okay. They want to see where I am yeah. to be able to hear me better. Yeah. So you can just tell when kids are, are engaged. And it's funny. When you, I've, I've said phrases and things in front of my class, you know, even just in casual conversation with them. And all of a sudden, I'll hear a kid use the same phrase. Yeah. And I'll look over and they just kind of smile at me. It's like, oh, you were listening to what That's I was cool. saying. That's cool. I like that. You know, it's yeah. and what we do as teachers, we do have a responsibility to model behavior just like parents do. You know, when we see these kids and, you know, 50 minutes a day, every day. And it's, you know, it's a it's an, it's a responsibility for us. So I can so, totally understand how being a parent, watching what you say, watching what you do, your body language. So that stuff's fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm all about like the psychology behind <laughs> things, you know, like yeah. what what you do. And when you do something, the the results that happen because of it. So it's just for me, it's fascinating. I mean, we could talk about this stuff all day, uh, <laughs> but for me, it's like you you take everything when they when they say you write a book. When you're a writer, like you take things that you know, right? You take things from your past experiences and uh, people that you know, and you kind of in your case, a lot of the main characters are are parts of you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really fascinating because. I don't think everyone is 100% happy every day or 100% angry every day. It's everyone goes through these even flows, you know, this up yeah. and down moment. It's it's there's definitely, you know, uh, a cycle, if you will, of emotions that people go through every day and the experiences that they learn. Like Deuce is from from Florida. Yeah. Like things he did growing up is a little bit different than, than I. And you're from New York and like, you know, but you've been living here for a little while now. And I'm from Louisiana and I've learned my things. And, and there's all these different things that you – the past experiences shape who you become – they don't have to define you, but you can definitely learn from them. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of the great things about people. And one of the reasons we did this podcast is we love to talk to people. We love to yeah. hear about people's stories and and uh, promote what they do. Because we, we want to have our podcast as a platform to show people 
that there's all these creative people in the world and all these awesome people that you can hear about, especially since the podcast, podcasting in general, it's been really probably you'd say about the last decade's been really strong now and people are really finding ways, you know, anyone can start a podcast about anything and Deuce and I have been knowing each other for years and we wanted to kind of have a platform for us to geek out, but also yeah. to bring people on to, you know, to kind of show people what they have, you know, what they want to do and what they're passionate about. And this is yeah. about your passions mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, so definitely go check out the Task Force Gaia series. And one more time, how do people find how, – how can people buy your book on the internet? They can go to Amazon and look me up. Um, also, davidbergerbooks.com is my mm-hmm. main website. And there are other books that are, are in the process of being written as well. Um, so they can certainly find out tons of information about that. Um, certain likes of mine. I'm a huge comic fan as well. Um, I just wanted to comment quickly too. You mentioned sure. before about the idea of – actually having like comic books in your hand versus like comiXology. Um, recently with DC's new rebirth, yeah. um, I started to get back into the idea of getting into comics. I had pretty much divorced myself from, from comics collecting for about five years. And when rebirth was coming out, I knew I wanted to check it out. I yeah. saw some teasers from different books. Of course, Wonder Woman being my favorite. So I wanted to see what that was all about too. And the idea of actually having a pull list at the comic book store is something I hadn't had for in a long time. And going into the store and, and arranging that and then going in a few weeks later and picking up books again from my bin and <laughs> that's the physical thing. And I have, a, I have a ritual that when I buy my books, I go in my car, I turn on the air conditioning and I read all the books I have at least one time through just to get that's my ritual oh, i don't wow. take i don't take them home well, i actually like that idea yeah. i can't get out of the parking lot without reading the books and i usually depending on the book i'll have two copies of course if it's a variant cover yeah, or sure. if it's a first edition i want to or first issue i want to have two copies so sure. i'll always have one that i'll i can read but i always have to sit in the car and do it and that's one of those rituals i haven't done in such a long time and the first time i did it a couple weeks ago i was actually just giddy about the idea of reading comics again so the physical comic book, turning the pages, putting it back in the plastic, making sure it was sealed properly, all that little stuff you don't appreciate when you click onto the Comixology app, which there's nothing wrong with the app right. I mean, if you like the online experience, but it's not as tactile. So, Well, see, it's actually really funny that you mentioned that, David, because I've been having this nagging itch lately to get back into comics and do the exact same thing, to get my pull list again and get, you know, have about six to eight books that I get a month. Um, my biggest thing at the moment has been trying to figure out the where. Like, what what's the comic book shop that I'm going to go to? Because that's sure. the thing. Like, once you start doing a pull list, you, it's kind of a it's, it's a, a time commitment. Yeah, well, it's a time mm-hmm. commitment, but mm-hmm. it's a symbiotic relationship sure. because it's like you want to go to the store that's going to take the best care of you sure. as a customer. Yeah. But also you're going to be spending a lot of money because these books are like $5 a piece now. So if you're talking, you know, eight books times five bucks, that's five. Forty dollars. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, forty fifty dollars. That's a new video game. So it's like, you <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. I guess I guess that's true. It's like, uh, the, you there's a time commitment and there's a monetary commitment as well. Yeah. And and it feels good to support you know your local, local shop, yeah. your local businesses as well. And you do have you do form a symbiotic relationship there as well. And usually the stores that you go to on a more regular base the basis, they kind of want to treat you right, and they start to get you to know you on a first name basis, which yeah. is really Once cool. Once you get on the pull list, usually that that's that kind of cool. Been the quickest way to yeah. like, mm-hmm. for them to get to know you because you're yeah. coming in every Wednesday right. and picking up your books, right. and 
it's it literally the last time I did that was back when Downtown Comics was still open. Which, sure. Talk about a throwback. That was in I winter. Mean, we're talking about Winter Haven, right? We're talking Winter Haven. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> old been school. A hot yeah, minute. been a so. while. Do we? Let's do one more last question before sure, we sure. before we end this episode. Oh, by the way, if any comic book shop wants to help us out, you can send us the email H- at hhpodcastshow mm-hmm. at gmail.com and court the old deuce. Speaking of sending an email, we'll do our last question uh, before we wrap up. First time emailer, long time fan from OK. I guess that abbreviation for Oklahoma, City. maybe Oklahoma. I mean, they wouldn't say OK. Uh, Oklahoma, I guess. <clears throat> FYI, I did a spit take when I heard Deuce's shaving story. Hilarious. <laughs> for those that don't know, go check out our past episodes. Yeah, that was a good episode. My office workers had to check on me to see if I was okay. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Brandy did a great job while Johnny was recovering from his sickness. You two have a ga- great chemistry. I love you too, Johnny! Exclamation point. If David, if David series got picked up for for a Hollywood movie, <laughs> who would you have cast for your four main protagonists? Thanks for your time. Uh. His name is Pod- Podcast Fanatic. He didn't have a real name, I guess, but no. hey, I'll take it. Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Then I've got a follow-up question to that, so go ahead. Sure. Because that, that piqued a question for me, too. So I know that's like you weren't planning on this question, yeah. but I wanted to throw it at you just first first whim or whatever. Like, hey, who would you have to play your four main protagonist? Well, considering there's a, there's a film treatment for the first book in L.A. right now, Oh really? So yeah. Congratulations, sir. It's been um, it's been out there for a couple of years with the guy who he is um, someone who is known for a few different things. He's been in a bunch of movies. He's also, if you ever watch Madonna's Vogue video, mm-hmm. um, he's one of the guys. He's um, his name is Carlton Wilborn, and he is a, a black actor and dancer. And if you see him, you can't miss him in the in the video. But he has a production company, and he's working to to get that movie made for me. So we're still in, in talks with that right now. Um, so as soon as I hear anything else, I will be happy to let you guys oh, know. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah, Come back on the show. We'll promote it. Great, great um, But as far as like who I would want to cast, it's funny looking at actors and, you know, the, the original actors that are, that sparked my character sketches, not so much anymore because they've all, they've gotten they've older. Right, you know, yeah. right. Right. So I think for, for the character of Dan, I'm looking at Joe Manganiello. Oh, oh for, from yeah. True Blood, right? There's a picture That's of him awesome. I saw with a black T-shirt and a pair of jeans, and if you and the cover shows Dan in the same garb, uh, and the, he's got the same hair pretty much. Oh the same yeah, facial. I could totally see and that. He yeah, he would be perfect. Um, he's got the physique and everything. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. There are a couple of actors for Brandon I've seen. Um, Channing Tatum was one. I thought he has the same body structure. He's a little shorter than than Dan, um, or uh, Jesse Pavelka is another. One, he's uh, I think he's a, uh, a fitness guy from The Biggest Loser. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you talking so, about. So yeah. um, I've seen him. So either one of those would work. Uh, I still love Angela Bassett, and I still think she'd do a great job as Doctor Alita Halston. But she's a little older now. But uh, and I haven't found an actress that would be comparable. Unfortunately, I I don't know. I'm looking for a certain, you know, body type and character type for her. So, but as far as it, um, Sarah. Emma Watson is someone that I've thought about because she also has the same quirky personality. Yeah. She'd have to lose the British accent for the movie, but but she has the same physical structure. There's just I don't know something about her. I, th- I saw her picture of her once with like shorter reddish hair, and I thought, oh, she'd make a great Sarah. That's awesome. So yeah, yeah. so those are the main characters. Um, and it's funny too. One of the bigger characters in the book is Apollo, the god Apollo, and he's living yeah. in the modern day now. Yeah. 
So one of the actors, for some strange reason, and I don't know why, but I was thumbing through you know the internet, and an image of Daniel Craig, the James Bond actor, yeah. came up, and something about him, the way he was dressed and the way he looked, it's like he could play a modern day. Apollo character. He's got that slightly rugged face. He's the blue yeah. eyes. The blue yeah. eyes, the yeah. blondish hair. I was like, yeah. yeah, he could do that, especially because, you know, he needs to look a little more human, I suppose. Sure. So, but other, there's only one other person who, and I'm trying to think of her name. She was an actress in um, Farscape. Oh, I love that she show. She plays, uh, oh, the, the main female lead who's the, the dark, long black hair. Mm -hmm. I cannot think of her character's name. But uh, Black Claudia Black. Mm -hmm. Yes. So she she show. would great play yeah. Apollo's wife. Series. Um, Apollo's wife Alcanoe would be. I could see her. She's got the the same physical characteristics, the same, you know, strong personality as a as a person actress. So yeah. I love the way you wrote Apollo in the book. By the way, I'm just geeking out a little bit. Was, <laughs> him and I had a little bit of conversation about it for my birthday last year. Oh yeah. You guys yeah, need you guys that. need to check that out. It's the the. the awesome how you wrote Apollo and like his his character arc and like how he goes through the whole really it's like an allegory between like you know your father's you know relationship with your father and like you know because you know you think of gods and they have kids and like but the way you wrote it like a father and son story and then his redemption mm. I mean it's fascinating I'm not going to spoil anything else but it's really fascinating for me to kind of see how you took gods and, and human literally humanized them let's just put it that way uh, fascinating I, I really think that's uh, an interesting I didn't expect I didn't expect the book to start uh, start off that way. Let's just put it that way. So it was very fascinating <laughs> for me as a reader. I'm like, that's interesting. That you've you've thought this through and uh, how you kind of the whole story is about you know hum, quote unquote humans. I will please use that word lightly. Uh, humans, you know, the four the protagonists they get together, but you know, form the task force Gaia series. So it's like, but it's like there's a human. You almost say there's a little bit of human in everybody. Even the yeah. gods themselves are so great and so majestic still have a human mystic side to them, which is, I don't know, kind of fascinating, especially if you're into the Greek mythology stuff, which, right. you know, I think everyone knows who Zeus is, you know, and everyone yeah. kind of has some sort of, like, uh, preconceived notion of what you know, the Greek gods are and, the you know, the mythos there. So definitely check out the uh, Task Force Gaia series and go to davidbergerbooks.com. And uh, I'm reading through the second book right now, and I, I hope we can have you back on because we're going to have you on again, but we'll have you on later on when, when maybe you finish up your last book. And, and I want to do like a recap maybe of each book and kind of spoilers book, and everything. Yeah, talk like about it because I want to really like get it. into the minutia of, of the book, you know, you know, with you and especially have you excellent, on the show. Excellent. Be I'm cool looking to, forward to it. You know, because I wrote notes for the first and second book. <laughs> I, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I might as well just continue to write notes because we'll have you yeah, back you on. Can just save them. And then when he comes yeah. back, it'll be awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I have it saved on my OneDrive. So we'll uh, get back to you on that. So <laughs> definitely, David, thank you so much for coming oh, all this way. My pleasure. And thank being you. on the show. And uh, it's awesome to, you know, call you a friend and a brother. And just like you just you're awesome. And you're a fan and a friend of the show. And, you know, it's it's awesome. So definitely go see David's uh, work. Uh, David Berger Books. That's. Burger as in B-E-R-G-E-R. -E so David Burger, I'll go on there and uh, search on Amazon, Burger Gaia, um, G-A-E-A, -E uh, and you'll find it on there as well. Um, and uh, check it out. Tell them the happy hour with Johnny Deuce sent you. Um, and uh, real quick, you will send people, if they request it, you will send them autograph copies. I saw a little tab on your website about autograph something, autograph books. Yes, if you are interested in getting an autographed copy, rather than going through Amazon and shipping it to me, and then I have to ship it back, if you tell me I have copies of my own that I can arrange through PayPal with you, and then I will just ship it to 
you um, no charge. I just if you want to willing to pay for the book, I'll take care of the shipping and mm-hmm. works awesome. out really well. So, yeah, if you go to the davidbergerbooks.com website and look on the Task Force Gaia page, there's a link for how to contact me about getting a signed copy. Or if they see you in person or at an event, they can do that like you do with mine. Yay. Yeah. Yes. So yes, that was right. cool. So I have my autograph copies. Uh, I think you've got all three. All of three of them are yeah, autographed. Autograph. So I'm excited about that. Uh, how do people find us on the internet, Deuce? You can find us on the internet at HH Podcast Show on Twitter. Also send your emails to Show at gmail.com. If there's any comic book stores that maybe want a new member, you can send us some email there. Also, I'm going to say it now and I'll get in trouble for it later because I haven't asked the man yet. Next time our good friend and sponsor, Buck, comes back on the show, I want to have a segment called Ask the Buck. Okay. Where you can ask him your retro video game questions because sure. I've got tons of questions I want to ask him sure. next time he comes on the show. And you guys as fans, I'm sure, have got a ton of retro game questions. So send those questions to us, show at gmail.com, and in the subject line, put Ask the Buck. So you can ask Buck the next time he comes in. Absolutely. We're going we're gonna to go through the mailbag and, and run all those questions out. There you go. So, uh, social media, when you're uh, talking about the happy hour with Johnny and Deuce, there's three main hashtags you want to put in your social media of choice. And that is hashtag happy hour podcast, hashtag HH podcast show, and hashtag deuces on the loose. Later. See ya.